Hello, and welcome to episode 528 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. The offseason is upon us. Free agency is coming. The NFL draft is coming. Best ball drafts are already underway. Truly is a great time to be alive. Evan, how's it going? It's going great. Let's get to it. It is Valentine's Day, by the way, as we're recording here. A lot of love out there. Shout out to everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. A couple housekeeping notes before we get into it. For my fellow DFS grinders, XFL starts Saturday. Projections, top plays, live show, depth charts, no time to rest. XFL, again, is live. And the action is actually pretty big on DraftKings for this week one. Slate could be some overlay as well. We've been grinding really hard to get the depth charts and the projections all set up. You can also read Cody's team-by-team previews. Those are actually up free on the site if anyone wants to check out what's going on in the XFL. Second, best ball season never stops. Our friends at Underdog have already launched a tournament called the Big Board. Million-dollar contest for the 2023 season does include rookies. Our rankings for that are up. Really fun to just like fire at drafts. If you don't have an Underdog account yet, use promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com for $100 matching sign-up bonus. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. Today's show is the second of a two-part series. We're going to go through our biggest hits and misses, try to learn from them, generate some takeaways going forward. A learning experience, if you will. These is the, the later rounds. Uh, hopefully you guys caught the episode from Tuesday, which was focused on the early rounds. Later rounds, I want to start with a hit, Evan, and a really big hit. Christian Kirk was someone Evan was really high on. I wasn't as high on him early. Got on him a bit later because Evan was so adamant about it. Christian Kirk ended up catching 84 balls and eight touchdowns. Goes over 1,100 yards in his first season as a Jaguar. One of the things that we talked about a lot over the last few years, Evan, is wide receivers changing teams. And like we saw Tyreek Hill hit and Devontae Adams hit and a ton of other guys. DeAndre Hopkins, his first year in Arizona hit. I mean, there's been a lot of big hits on wide receivers changing teams. Add Christian Kirk to the list any takeaways from the christian kirk stuff evan just just gonna toot my own horn a little bit here um especially after they cut the ronald jones thing i mean <laughs> if you haven't seen that like it that was painful i mean i, I felt like i was bleeding uh, having to listen to that but uh christian kirk yeah i mean you know he um i think that some people maybe built into their analysis unfairly the fact that he got a, a contract that was considered vastly exorbitant for what he had accomplished so far in the league. To me, like Christian Kirk always should have been a slot receiver coming out of Texas A&M. He's really quick in a short area. He um, was a prolific uh, return man, really good with the ball in his hands at Texas A&M. In Arizona, he was pretty much like a perimeter receiver. And he was just very, I mean, you'd have a couple good games a, a year and That'd be it. In Jacksonville, I think we we caught on to the fact early that he was going to move into the slot and be, you know, what Hunter Renfro was for Trevor for Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used him properly. And he went to, you know, I mean, Doug Peterson knows how to use players. I think we're learning that Cliff Kingsbury does not. Mm-hmm. So I I, I th- honestly I thought I thought it was kind of easy. I, I I did Sigmund Blues, Sigmund Blooms on the couch show and let off who is I think he was asking everybody who was being underdrafted in fantasy, and I let off with Christian Kirk. So I, I, I just I felt good about that one. Got a lot of stuff wrong. Okay, yeah. got a lot of stuff wrong. We got this one right. Yeah, and, and I'd say two things. First, on the contract stuff, 
to me, it's a positive when someone overpays. It showed that yeah. Jacksonville really liked him. It showed that yeah. Jacksonville like wanted him so, so, so bad that they're willing to overpay market value for Christian Kirk. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing that I'd say is kind of a takeaway from this. The coaching change was huge. I mean, God, Urban Meyer was such a donkey. They get a whole new staff in there. We know Trevor Lawrence can, or at least we, we're confident Trevor Lawrence can play. And so, yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, that one looks really, really good. A money one, though, that looks bad. And this is why sometimes chasing the money can be bad. And maybe this is specific to like Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan stuff. Mm -hmm. I was thinking Chase Edmonds a lot. And part of the thesis of the play of Chase Edmonds in like the eighth round or whatever, ninth round, 10th round, was that they paid him. I mean, he got a pretty good contract only to see Chase Edmonds get completely banished and benched. And now Mm -hmm. he's like fringe almost out of the league. He like ended up on the Broncos. Like Chase Edmonds is in trouble now. I don't know how he went from a guy that got such a big contract in free agency mm-hmm. to go to Miami to a guy borderline out of the league. But this is what happens at the running back position. You know, you can be replaced in a heartbeat. And I guess Mike McDaniel just decided at some point, they didn't really give Chase Edmonds that long of a leash. And somewhere they just decided, like, we're not going to use this guy. And it was mm-hmm. a really disaster of a pick there in that eighth, ninth, tenth round. Any thoughts on what happened there, Evan? Well, there were some uh there were some reasons to like Chase Edmonds. They they gave him a little bit of money he had some statistics that showed that he was really good as an outside zone runner in Arizona. Mike McDaniel is the, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan disciple runs a lot of outside zone at the end of the day. None of that mattered. He got beat out by guys that Mike McDaniel felt comfortable with. And that began with Raheem Mostert and it extended to when they got Jeff Wilson from Mm -hmm. Miami Um, or or they got him from San Francisco. So um Chase Edmonds is just that he's the classic. I mean, you know, he he's okay, but he's just like he's just a, a replaceable running back in the NFL. And there's a million guys like him. Yep. And, and that's the issue with the running back position. You know, like Christian Kirk's never losing his starting job to some geek off the street, right? But like a running back can, you know. So yeah. but you know, I that's why I try to avoid the dead zone running backs where I can. But in the eighth or ninth round, the guy who can play in the pass game thought that they, you know, were gonna make him the starter. Yeah, that one was a mess. One that was kind of uh, confusing or tough to look back on was Damian Pierce. Evan started talking about Damian Pierce like when he was going in the 12th, 13th, 14th round. By the time the draft process was over, Damian Pierce was going in like the fourth and fifth round. I yeah. thought that was completely ridiculous. Somewhere in the middle was probably right. But credit to Evan for being on Damian Pierce early. I think we even talked about Damian Pierce rookie of the year tickets, which, you know, if mm-hmm. the Texans were a little bit better, maybe he would have had a chance there. But yeah, looking back on the Damian Pierce stuff, Evan, I do want to talk about rookies because in these late rounds, we have a lot of rookies on our list to talk about. But yeah, I, I, you know, these late round rookie running backs, and we got Kenneth Walker wrong. Leone got it right. We're going to talk about uh, Rashad White here in a second. But yeah, a lot of these rookie running backs are tough to get a handle on. I still like Mm -hmm. taking shots on them. And I think that's kind of one of the takeaways. What do you think about all the Damian Pierce stuff, Evan? Um, Yeah, I I took him like, I think right after the draft, 50 to one to win uh, offensive rookie of the year, which was looking decent for a while. He got hurt at the end and stuff. And, you know, he kind of petered out, you know, you, you got to stay healthy. That, that, that's a big thing. Um, but I, I think he, I just, I thought he was a really good player. He looked so good in the preseason number one, but we were already on him before that. Um, he was a player that was underutilized at Florida, that Florida coach, I think Dan Mullen wound up getting fired because, you know, he had a bunch of talent and he didn't maximize. I mean, they had, you know, Kadarius Tony. I mean, they had, they had a bunch of NFL players there. Didn't maximize it. Coach winds up getting fired. Um, and Damian Pierce kind of slips through the cracks a little bit, goes in the fourth round. He can play in the passing game. He was, you know, he can run between the tackles. 
We knew Lovey Smith would want to run the football with some volume. Um, and he had a pretty nice rookie season. He wound up being an absolute steal in the double digit rounds. Um, and I mean, I don't know at the end of the day, like the fifth round, sixth round, that, that was not too rich for Damian Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought with how bad the Texans were going to be, maybe well, it that was, was a big concern. Yeah. A bit, a bit of a reach, but clearly when we first started talking about it, that was a big hit. I just want to zoom out for a second on rookie stuff every year. We see it, you know, rookies are difference makers in the second half of the year. You know, uh, we saw Garrett Wilson be a big hit. Um, Kenneth Walker was a big hit this year. And just like a takeaway for me, I think, and for everyone, should be week one projectable volume is not as important as you think. Yeah, Kenneth Walker, we're going to start the year behind Rashad Penny. It is a long, long, long mm -hmm. season. And so, you know, these rookies that we think are talented that can win you win for you in the second half of the year are really, really valuable. And so for me, that's you know takeaway that we have. Rashad White was a guy that I was on. It's, it's kind of hard to say if this is a win or a loss. He was just kind of meh all year, splitting time with Laren Fournette. But you can mm -hmm. see how, like, if the Bucs were better, it could have gone really, really good for Rashad White. And then, obviously, the Kenneth Walker one was a huge miss by both Evan and I. Leone was, and some other people um, involved in each other were on him big. But, yeah, we just underestimated, I think, what Seahawks could be. And even in hindsight, I'm not sure if I could even get there in hindsight, like yeah. with Gino and everything. And, you know, it, the Kenneth Walker stuff was was bad. But yeah, any other thoughts on Rashad White, Kenneth Walker, anything like that? No, um, I we, we went over the Kenneth Walker stuff too extensively yeah. on the, uh, the the YouTube reaction show. People should, people should, I think people will like that show. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned tight end a bunch in the first episode. One of the messes for me was like, I really thought that Albert O was being undervalued and you could get him the 13th or 14th round. He had Russell Wilson coming in. He's this crazy good athlete. He looks like coming off the bus, such a superstar. Nathaniel Hackett yeah. did it not play. Made Albert O a healthy scratch for the entire year until Nathaniel Hackett got fired. And then they actually played him and he had a good game. He yeah. had a bad game after that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I think maybe the takeaway on Alberto is like some systemic risk when you get a coaching change. But that's hard because we just talked about like how coaching Where could be there, good. there was a big red flag that maybe we didn't take seriously enough because Greg Dulcich was like a yeah. ghost for the entire process leading up to the season. I mean, he opened the season on IR, didn't he? Yep. Hamstring, yeah. yep. But they used a third round pick on a receiving tight end. Yeah. So that that was a legitimate red flag, but it was it was hard to involve that in your analysis because Greg Dulcich was nowhere to be found throughout the entire fantasy draft process. I mean, the coaching change stuff is hard, right? Because we just talked about how listen, Christian Kirk coaching change was good, but now you can't turn around and say, oh, Alberto coaching change is bad. You know, like obviously I've taken on a case by case basis, but it's just hard to give blanket blanket statements. I typically think that with talented players who were underutilized beforehand, coaching change is good, but you know, didn't work out. For Alberto, and that turned out to be a mess because he was my favorite late round tight end. Did make a big hit at late round quarterback, Daniel Jones. You know, speaking of coaches, I just thought the blueprint for what Daniel Jones could do was Josh Allen and Brian Dable obviously had a ton to do with how good Josh Allen became in Buffalo, takes over. And then when you get a guy who can run like Daniel Jones can, you know, you build in a floor and a way bigger ceiling. So we've talked so much about Daniel Jones. I'm glad I actually got to cash in on Daniel Jones because sometimes 
you know, you have a good take and you don't even get to cash in. But luckily, Daniel Jones led me to the promised land in that best ball tournament I was able to win. So, yeah, um, really happy about the Daniel Jones stuff. The Eagles stuff I want to get to because this was one that Evan was on. When Evan first let out his first 150, his first top 150, he had Miles Sanders like 40 spots ahead of ADP and like 45 ahead of where we had him in a projection. Leone like got mad at me. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Leone was like, Evan, look at this Miles Sanders thing. You got it. You're being ridiculous. Move him down. Like- Miles Sanders turned out to be an awesome, awesome, awesome pick. And he actually went like outside the dead zone. He was going in like seventh, eighth round or so for a guy with the NFL's best offensive line. So go ahead, take a lap here, Evan, on the Miles Sanders stuff. You deserve it. It was really simple. It was just, yo, I think this offensive line is going to be an absolute monster beast. You know, Brandon Thorne agreed. You know, we got that little confirmation bias. I, You know, Miles Sanders, like, obviously he was going to experience some touchdown regression. I don't know what he finished with, but he had what zero touchdowns the year before. Yep. And I think he finished in the double digits. Yep. Um, and I, I think he's like good. Um, right. I, I, I think he's good. And, uh, and I thought that the Eagles would be good and they were going to be a really good rushing team. Maybe the best rushing team in the NFL. They, they wound up being the best rushing team in the NFL and he's the lead back on the best rushing team in the NFL. So yeah, it, it, it was pretty simple. And I think it was simple in hindsight. There were a lot of people out there that just don't like Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's he, he had kind of been a guy that was a little bit of an underachiever, you know, he had fumbling problems. He gets got like nicked up a decent amount, but um, he stayed healthy for the most part. He had a little bit of a knee thing late in the season, and he got he got hurt in the Super Bowl. I know he got dinged up in the Super yeah. Bowl, um, but he stayed healthy for the most part and and absolutely capitalized on his opportunities. Miles Sanders played in all seventeen regular season games, ran for one thousand two hundred sixty nine yards and eleven touchdowns. Just an awesome season. From Miles Sanders. And, you know, what we talked about on the previous episode with Jonathan Taylor, it's really hard to maintain that touchdown rate that Jonathan Taylor had. It's also really hard to have Miles Sanders' touchdown rate that he had in 2021 as a running back. So, like, regression can cut both ways when it comes to touchdown rate. And I think that's an important thing to note, especially at running back. Oh, you know what else helped? And I forgot about this. Remember when Miles Sanders said, don't draft me in fantasy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then people took that, like, seriously. You know? He hates fantasy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame him. I mean, if people are giving him shit about, you know, well, I, I don't blame him. When he when he had zero touchdowns the year before, people yeah. were, like, all over him. He was like, it's not yeah. my fault. Like, I, you know, like, they yeah. take me out for Boston Scott or whatever, you know, because yeah. I don't want to deal with it. Don't draft me. And, yeah. and you're right. People ran with that uh, for sure. Another – oh, the Eagles. One more Eagles thing I want to mention. We were both on Jalen Hurts, and, like, this is, like – playbook 101 for like mid slash late round quarterback. I know Jalen Hurts ended up going in like the sixth round, but obviously when you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, the NFL's best offensive line, and you can run like Jalen Hurts can run. I mean, just an absolute no brainer. I don't think that one was complicated at all being in on Jalen Hurts. And, and you know, well, unluckily we didn't get there with the MVP tickets, but certainly got really, really close. Uh, two more here, both running backs I wanted to mention. First was uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson and Amon Ra were probably like the two guys we talked about most last offseason, came up on like almost every podcast. Ramondre ran a little bit hot with Damian Harris getting hurt, but dude is clearly a talented player and sustained like a 20% target share plus for a really big stretch of the season, you know, seven, eight games. You don't see that at the running back position when you're also getting 10, 12, 15, 20 carries in a game. So really nice season for Ramondre Stevenson, I think there's some bias, Evan. We've talked about this a lot 
people are like, I'm not drafting a Patriots running back. Right. You can't draft, and that's just right. flat out wrong. Right. Yeah. When, when, when you, when you can like notice, and this also applies to a lesser extent, but it also applies to Miles Sanders. Like there are just guys that people don't like, or they have like personal vendettas against certain guys in certain situations. And you can capitalize on that because that's going to lower that player's ADP. Ramondre Stevenson finished with over 1400 total yards. That actually didn't score that many touchdowns, six TDs, but he had 69 catches fourth most among NFL running backs. Yeah. Really nice season from Ramondre Stevenson. I thought that was a really easy one too. A harder stuff, and this is the last one we're going to do here. The harder stuff, I think, is these late round shots in muddled backfields. So like, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good process to like, hey, it's the 15th round. I'm going to take a shot on Jarek McKinnon. Oh, you know, it's the 14th round. I'm going to take a shot on TDP, uh, Tyrone Davis-Price. I'm going to take a shot on Ronald Jones, which, you know, obviously we dunked on Evan about, but like it was the last round pick. You know, it's not, it's not that crazy, right? And like, I think it's good process. One that ended up hitting that we actually talked about was Jarek McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And Jarek McKinnon obviously fits what the Chiefs want to do. They want to throw the ball a ton. Jarek McKinnon plays well in the past game. I was actually lower on Isaiah Pacheco than the field was, especially once he got up into that eighth, ninth round range. And Pacheco ended up going nuts uh, kind of late in the year. And not going nuts, but being the feature back late in the year. In the playoffs, Be, Being a guy that you could play every yeah. week as your RB2. Yeah. But McKinnon was very much involved as well. So for me, like just a takeaway is, listen, we're going to take a lot of shots on good teams running backs late. A lot of them are going to flame out like TDP or Ronald Jones or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you hit something like McKinnon or Pacheco in like the 15th round, I mean, it is it is a huge, huge yeah. win. So any other thoughts there on that kind of stuff, Evan? Jarek McKinnon is, is a good football player. He's a heady football player. We saw that in the Super Bowl. He set career highs in targets, catches, receiving yards. He scored 10 touchdowns on 128 touches. So he ran super, super yeah. hot. But you know what? The dude played really well all year. And, and by the way, you could mention Jamal Williams in here too. Like a team mm-hmm. that's going to have a good offense. We thought was going to have a good offense. And he's a running back and he's going to play around the goal line. Like, you know, I know Evan hit the 100 to 1 and that turned into like a big, big bit and everything. But same thing for fantasy. Take Jamal Williams in the 15th round. Next thing you know, the dude has 17 freaking touchdowns. You know, it's just running backs on good teams who are going to score touchdowns, I think, um, makes sense in those later, later, later rounds for sure. We had a good year, bro. Yeah. I mean, we kind of did. Like, I I don't like to brag because there are things that I colossal misses out there. Sure. But I, I think that this was probably our best season long from a predictive standpoint, our best season long season since we started. I think this is our fourth season Yep. for ETR. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this is our best one. Yep. No, it was a great year. And, and hopefully everybody did well out there in the season long streets. Hopefully people enjoyed these last two podcasts, learn something, take away, try to be better for next year appreciate you all being here like i said we'll be back with a ton of free podcast over the next one two three five six months as we lead up to the 2023 nfl season for evan for producer luke i'm adam good luck everybody mm-hmm.